Testing, one, two, yes. three, testing, <laughs> one, two, three, testing, testing. Do you want a sandwich? I got an extra sandwich here. Uh, no, thanks. Are you, uh, uh, are we recording right now? Yeah, but I'm just leading it up to the music. <clears throat> Where'd you get the sandwich? Mm, Julasco. <clears throat> you didn't get a freebie from the kitchen or anything? Uh, I didn't know there was free sandwiches. Uh, there's not, but... I thought you were always looking. <laughs> I am always looking. Here we are again, ladies and gentlemen, Theology on Mission podcast. Glorious day in Chicago. It's beautiful outside. I'd say 32 degrees. For you Canadians, that's zero Celsius. <laughs> but it's sunny. The glow of the sun off the snow. Off the highway. is brilliant. Yeah, it is really nice out. I bought some ice skates today. What? Yep. What? Coming and you in, didn't ask me to come and give you advice on that? <laughs> I'll, I'll show them to you when they arrive. We can go We can go skating if you want. Whatever you do, please don't bring up the Pittsburgh Penguins. I won't bring up the Pittsburgh Penguins, but we could go go for a skate around if you want. I have my skates. Uh, my knee is on repair. Oh, I think right. I'm literally moments away All right. from getting back on those skates. Yeah, you, you and I should get on an intramural hockey team together. Really? Yeah. I'm not, I'm uh, not, what, what I'm not are, the best skater, but... Well, what... Okay, folks, uh, we got to get back to the show. So. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's good to have you back with us at Theology on Mission podcast, where theology engages the issues of culture for Christ, his kingdom, and his mission. Yes. Had a ring to it, didn't it? Oh, it sure did. Ringing in my ears. Yeah. All right, well, today, let's get right to it, Mike Moore. Let's get rid of the banter. Let's get rid of the nonsense. Uh-huh. You know, people People want to hear. Yeah, they're not here, they're not here for nonsense. They're not here for nonsense. They're not here for joking around, you know? They're not here for dad jokes. <laughs> well, I don't qualify, but you do, so. Well, my hu- your humor is about as bad as dad humor. Uh, I, uh, I, I, received, <laughs> I, re- I received that. That's good. But anyways, I thought we'd talk about, I've been reading through uh, Luke Bretherton's Christ in the Common Life. Yeah. And it's a wonderful book. Uh, It's quite an exhaustive treatment of political theology and the issues of church, Christ, and engaging culture. We could call this book. that's right. The name of our podcast, and it would. We should check in with Luke and and see if you'd like that. Let's change the name of the podcast to Christ in the Common Life Podcast. <laughs> we should give some backstory on Luke Brotherington. He's a professor at Duke Duke Divinity, Divinity School. School. Uh-huh. He's British. He came in uh, shortly after Stanley's retirement. That's right. He and- teaches theology and ethics. And he is uh, neither you nor I know him. I no. would like to, Luke, if you're listening out there, yeah, he's we'd listening. like to have you on the show. Yeah, we could make that happen, I'm sure. Uh, and his area of expertise is political theology. That's you want, right. You want to give a 
15-second explanation of what is political theology? Uh, it's theology that engages the political. Mm, okay. And By political, you mean the way that people are organized, social com- organizations. To use a word from the title, common life okay. together. How go. do we live our lives together? Uh, and of course, this, this uh, uh, includes numerous topics of which one is the economy. Yes. Yes, absolutely. How do Christians engage the economy? And I might even add, how do Christians, how does the church engage capitalism? In this economy, or in this country, that is our economy. You know, if you assume capitalism has a formative effect on our lives and our characters, I don't think the church can escape engaging capitalism. Nope. Um, now, uh, just to be clear, I'm not promoting socialism. Uh, I'm not a communist. Okay. For daring to critique capitalism. But I am suggesting, and this is part of Luke Bretherton's um, thesis, that economy is not a neutral concept. The markets, the idea of the markets, mm-hmm. the capital markets, are not a neutral concept. Most right. of us who studied economics think, oh, that's a neutral discipline that has no spiritual, moral, religious. It's just the way things work when it comes to people in their yeah. exchanging goods and services. The, mar- the market logic. It just, yeah. it just works this way and it's assumed. But we want to say that, that, that exactly the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. That the way we engage the economy uh, is a commitment of theological proportions. Yeah, it reveals values and priorities, and it also has a certain view of what it means to be human. Yeah, and I think what's happened here, and this this goes back to a book I wrote 152 years ago, <laughs> uh, The Great Giveaway, uh, that um, we uh, give away what it means to be the church to the logic of the market, mm-hmm. business principles, leadership that gets results, right. and we, in essence, uh, allow the church to be taken over by the economy, by capitalism. Mm-hmm. It absorbs our lives. You know, perhaps even money becomes our god. Does anyone know anyone in the church where money and power became? Uh, their God, their idol. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the one of the deadly sins, and yeah. so uh, we got to we got to engage this. By the way, um, Dave Ramsey, I think would disagree with me on this topic. I think so. We could have him on the podcast as well. Dave, if you're listening, can we get Luke Brotherton and Dave Ramsey yeah. on the same podcast? Oh, Brilliant. <clears throat> I just came up with that idea, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, but but you know, a doc is he a doctor? Dave Ramsey, I. Yeah, I I don't know, Doctor Ramsey, whatever. Sure, yeah. uh, he's he's a personal finance guru, mm-hmm. radio host, um, and he would I think say that economics is a uh, theology neutral uh, science. Yeah, he he might. I think he would look at economics and capitalism in particular as an opportunity for Christians to steward their resources. That's a much better way of saying it. Yeah. As yep. I was saying it, I was thinking to myself, I don't think he would agree with 
just the way I said that. I, he would I, say I think by, Christianity impacts the way you value money and and steward your money. Right, yeah. And the market is one of the ways that Christians can steward their money well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, so recently in the last, I think, several weeks, he got attacked in the media for saying that if the tenants at his residential property got displaced because he raised the rental rates mm -hmm. to meet the market price, yeah. it does not make him a bad Christian. Uh, let me just repeat that one more time, uh, Mike Moore, because you're the one who said um, <clears throat> that he's trying to impact the way we handle our money and our resources mm -hmm. uh, in a Christian way. He says, and now I'm quoting him, um, if tenants at his residential at my residential properties are displaced because I raise rates, rents, to meet the market price, mm -hmm. keyword market, price, it does not make me a bad Christian. Then he says, the ratio of the income that they earn to their housing expense displaced them. He has these very yeah. specific ratios. I didn't cause any of that. Yeah, well, I go. think, by the way, okay, we're going to go into this. This is chapter 11 of the book, Christ in the Common Life by Luke Bretherton. And mm -hmm. I, I do recommend it. I recommend the whole book. Yeah. But uh, we're just going to deal with this one chapter. But um, I think this illustrates what I think one of Luke Bretherton's main points is. Money in and of itself is not bad. Debt, loaning money, even with an interest rate to someone, is not bad. Mm -hmm. The markets are not bad. It's when these things sub, uh, subordinate our lives to them, when they get extracted as an end in and of themselves, when making money mm -hmm. and accumulating wealth becomes a goal in and of itself, mm -hmm. extracting the most I can get from a debt and exploiting the person who I'm loaning the money to becomes an end in and of itself. That is not of God. We are, in essence, subordinating relational yeah. capital to capitalism and its capital. Right. Right. And this is not the way of Christ. And Jesus, yeah. who is the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this is not the way they work with economy. Yeah, because you're saying that people become co commodified by the market. They become a means to an end, the end being the market logic of making more money. Yeah. People become, and yeah. relationships and interconnections and community become subordinated to money Okay, and making money. Can I play the play the other side here? Uh, we call that the devil's advocate. Yes. Yes, go ahead. Um, but what am I supposed to do? Am I just going to lose money on my investment properties? I can't help it that these people lost their jobs. I, you know, I have bills to pay. I made these investments. I'm you know, stewarding all these resources. What am I supposed to do? I, I need to raise the market rates to pay off these debts and these other, you know. That's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. You took out a bad loan, too high of an interest rate. I, I, you didn't cro cro you, uh, I'm trying Dave to Ramsey. You you did not correctly uh, calculate your cash flow in that building. <laughs> you need to go down. Are you Dave Ramsing? Dave Ramsey right now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's. Uh, so to give us a framework, that's a great question, Mike Moore. And, and, and frankly, I resist 
uh, ever answering a hypothetical question. Like if you uh, gave me a, yeah, if you gave go. me some specific circumstances, we might say, well, in that case, you that's might want to That's such an Anabaptist thing to do. That's right. the most Anabaptist But let's move. give us a few principles for engaging actual yes. circumstances in our life when it comes to economics. Okay. Okay. So I got like th- uh, one, two, four thoughts on four main things. Okay. Money, debt, owning property, and the markets. Okay. Let me repeat that one more time in case people out there in Radioland are taking notes. Yes. Money, debt, property ownership, and markets. Let's take those four topics and see how maybe uh, Luke Brotherton can help us sort out these issues in our lives and how to lead people into the kingdom. When it comes to their money, how they handle and give and uh, participate in debt, Property ownership and markets. First, mm-hmm. money. Okay, money, while it might be necessary as a medium of exchange or even a means of accounting or facilitating uh, markets, um, it threatens the community if the pursuit of accumulation of money becomes an end in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Money as a medium of exchange is is all is and a means of accounting and facilitating exchange is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's let's call it necessary. Sure. But when it becomes an, a means of accumulation and it makes accumulation of money an end in and of itself, this separates us from community, relationships, and turns money from its proper end. Uh Bretherton says it becomes an enemy of citizenship. Think about that. And so mm-hmm. what we must do is uh, we must, we, we must uh, like move from condemning money as, a, as an ill, as, the, as an evil, to how it is used and to what ends. Yeah. We must discipline our urge to accumulate money to insulate ourselves from risk and from the need for God. Now, that was me okay. commenting on Brotherton's idea. Okay. Does that help you in discipleship when it comes um, to how we lead our people a little bit. in the way they manage money? I have a few questions for it, for you, maybe, maybe things to tease out. I don't think most people are accumulating money just for the sake of accumulating money. You know, like they can be Scrooge McDuck with a big castle of gold coins that they're swimming through. Um, It seems to me that most people are accumulating money for the sake of being able to achieve or apprehend what they think is the good life. Mm. So, you know, I'm not not just accruing money so I can see these numbers go up in my bank account, although maybe some people are like that. I think there's oftentimes a desire of, if I get this much money, then I can apprehend this. Or you know, I, I can have this home, I can have this vacation, I can have this car, I can have these cars, I can have this education. All these things that will help me become more human as determined by an unbridled capitalistic economy. Yes, and so that complicates uh, what Brotherton yeah. is talking about when he's talking about accumulation. 
Yeah, I don't think it's just accumulation for accumulation's sake. So it's not just a c- accumulation of more money in my bank account. It's right. accumulation of bigger, more, I want this, this, and this. Yeah, because that is what it means to be human in a capitalistic economy. And so how do you uh, discipline hmm. the way you engage money Oof. in your life Oh man! So that it does not become a means unto itself to accumulate more house, more cars, better cars, better vacations, mm-hmm. uh, more security for my retirement. How mm-hmm. do you do that? I mean, this is a legit question for, for all of us. I don't me. care how modest or yeah, right. Yeah, <clears throat> for me personally, or for our well, family. Uh, I don't know if you want to reveal uh, <laughs> how you do this personally, but I, I do think there is a disciplinary now now. I'll tell you, the way I was raised is we do not see our money as our own. Yes. We always, uh, so the first 10% goes to the church as a sign of his kingdom, Mm -hmm. as a sign that he owns it all. And then we live modestly Mm -hmm. and give the excess in my church growing up to missions. Yes. And yeah, that's what was modeled for me as well. When we must never get to the point, we must always sacrificially give to the work of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to teach my son this right now because he got a yeah. job in the last year. Okay. One of his problems is I think he spends too much money. I mean, he go, he spends money here. You know, right, right. Going, okay, he's got money now. The other thing is I'm telling him, look, you need to save money. Okay, but but I got to be careful. It's not save money as an, un, money under your, for your own accumulation purposes like we're talking about. But no, there's something else going on here. Can you give as you have received in the reciprocal king, reciprocity of the relationship we have with God and, and his economy? So, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, uh, that was like... A little bit of Millbank and a little bit of some other, and it's way too complicated for a sixteen-year-old to figure out. Yeah, but uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Uh, I mean, the kind of what you described as relationship to money is how I grew up as well. I think there's two things I can think of recently. Um, we've had big decisions in our household about money uh, with just in the last month. Um, and one thing that we're really fortunate to have right now is we have a few really close friends who are willing to sit down with us and to pray over it with us. Um, and we're able to say, this is what we're wrestling with, with money. Uh, do we say yes to this? Do we say no to this? Um, and they're able to speak into that. And then the other thing, and not everybody has this, but you know, part of my vocation is pastoring. And I do receive some money from pastoring. So that means there's like a hundred people who have access to the money that I'm bringing in every single year through that work. And that, that, that there's actually some freedom in that of people knowing my income um, oh. and, and sitting down with our pastoral staff and we're trying to figure out like, you know, where, where the needs are and where the money needs to go. So I, I know not everybody's in that position and there's a lot of thorny, naughty issues when it comes to, you know, finances with your household. But um, being able to have people see our money and speak into it has been actually pretty liberating. Hmm. Yeah. Thought-provoking, Mike Moore. Thought-provoking. Yeah. All right. So I got I got a summary statement to throw at you. Okay. 
we start with 10%, the first 10% we give mm-hmm. to the kingdom yeah. as a sign that he owns it all. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we live modestly, yeah. not in competition with anybody or any of our friends, neighbors, peers, or for that matter, the people we see on television. Mm-hmm. We live modestly. Secondly, we give sacrificially. We give in a way which leads to us having faith. Now, these are all subjective judgments. Sure, sure. But there, but there is a posture there. And I, I think the posture, the, the kingdom posture, is does sometimes run really counter to the consumer culture. Consumer culture says try to be upwardly mobile. I do think a kingdom posture is how, how do you try to be downwardly mobile? Live modestly. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. getting harder and harder to do when houses are going up and up and up. And, you know, people. But, folks, this is the challenge that we have to lead our congregation in. And yeah. if we do, I believe, by the way, we shall be blessed in multitudes of ways. Yeah. All right. The second category here is debt. Hmm. Um, here, uh, Bretherton draws the distinction between non commercial. Uh, excuse me, scratch that, non-coercive lending versus exploitive lending. Hmm. Non-coercive lending versus extortionate lending. And here, the the issue is here uh, for Brotherton is whether the lending relationship involves relationship, to repeat the word, reciprocity, relationship, equitable relations, not one person over another yeah. in a exploitive situation. He he goes so far as to say shared risk. The risk isn't all on you. Mm-hmm. I take risks. Mm-hmm. And so that when lending becomes coercive or exploitive, enforcing conditions on the weak, then uh, the church must say no or the government must say no. Um, I So I think that there's a helpful thing here in how to engage in debt, how to loan other people money within the church, mm-hmm. yeah. having a church credit union. Yep. Uh, people are saying, well, there should be no obligations. We just give money to people. No, actually, I think there's like a mutuality yeah, that can it, go it, on it here. It dignifies people. Yeah. And, and uh, I suggest when church credit unions are opened up that we loan money and we encourage people to pay it back. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yet we're both taking risks. Right. But pay it back so we can loan other people money yeah, yep. who need it after they have mm-hmm. been blessed from this uh, um, debt relationship um the debtor the debt uh the indebted debtor relationship should never be in the kingdom an unequal one Hmm. we're both taking risks Hmm. this is out of relationship this is not out of you filling out your credit score and screwing the bank or the bank doing it to you um, this is quite a different way to do economics, yeah. I think, in terms of uh, loaning money. Yeah, it's beautiful, though. I mean, that gets me excited talking about Christian credit unions and the way that we can pull our resources together. Yeah, I think I think it's beautiful, and I don't know many churches that do that. I know a few, but I think it's inspiring and a vision of kingdom life. Yeah, 
I think that uh, credit unions in your local church, church-sponsored credit unions, I think there's, we've tried to do it a couple of times and we've, we've had an accountant tell us you're not allowed to do that, you're not allowed, government oh, really? says you can't do that, blah, 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 hmm. blah. But there's got to be a way to do it and, 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 and not everybody's going to need it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, depending on where you live and how right. a, how much access there is to lending practices. Yeah, um, but I think it's something that every church should consider as yes. witnessing to a new the economy of the kingdom. Okay, now the third point or the third issue here is property ownership. Uh, he talks about ownership of of a property as withdrawing a good from the wider community. Like when you own a property and you own it unto yourself, mm -hmm. no longer allowing it to be used for the community purposes. Instead, you try to maximize the value of that property according to the markets. He says that's not the way of the kingdom. Hmm. On the other hand, he does make a point that um, all property ownership doesn't have to be that way. Um, so for the nation of Israel, he, uh, <clears throat> talks about how, excuse me, <clears throat> cough button. Uh, he talks about how in ancient Israel, the possession of the land did not entitle exclusive use of the land. It was limited because ultimately the territory and its fruits was God's. Right. So when we, when we, when we take ownership of, like, I, I look at this as when I own a home. Yeah. And, and when I own a home, it's I have a mortgage, and the bank owns mm -hmm. the mortgage, and the bank actually owns the home but until I pay off the loan. Right. But, but there's a part of it. I, I, I have paid off quite a bit of the loan, mm -hmm. and so I do own quite a bit of the property. But I look at that. This is not our house. Right. This is the kingdom's house. Yep. We give this to the kingdom. Yeah. We use it as much as possible. Now, there's people that want to come and stay with me. And, folks, if you're thinking about that, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I urge caution because, you know, because you have um, a dog. Well, a, we have a small house. B, sometimes I have to go sleep downstairs and get some sleep because of all the commotion. <laughs> and, and there's everything. a drum set in the house. Yeah, exactly. But uh, having said that, I think that's the way we need to look at yeah, property. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. So there's a yeah. difference between looking at property as, this is my property. I got to exploit it and maximize its value so I can make the most money versus right. I'm owning this property as a steward to use it for the common good. Again, again relationships yes. drive ownership, not private autonomous possessiveness right. for the maximization, maximization of money as a That's right. accumulation as an end unto itself. Yes. Can we preach that? Will that preach in the church? I think it will. I think it's I think it's a beautiful vision for for the way that people can uh, extend God's hospitality into the world. It, I was getting an image as you're describing, you know, owning a home and only kind of using it for yourself. It just creates like this circular motion, like where you kind of fold in on yourself over and over again. I have this house, I'm paying it off to the bank so I can have this house. It just kind of internalizes and it closes us off from welcoming other people into our space. And I think I think when Beth, this is Beth when she was on the podcast, she describes sin as the folding in. Beth Felker Jones, yeah, the folding in upon ourselves. It's like just folding in, and I, I like the way you're describing like household, you yeah, know, uh, economy, is this like extending, this opening up of doors, this welcoming of people in, 
And and that's kingdom life. I, I that runs counter to the sin that so easily divides people and so easily individualizes us into our own pursuit of um, the good life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Bretherton goes into the Thomist Aquinas understanding of conception of property. Um, he he says don't establish like an opposition between property ownership and and communism, mm. uh, there can still be good property ownership yeah. uh, for the common relational good of the community. Uh, and I, because this is God's world, God's property, we are stewarding it. But mm. I wonder how, uh, you know, theoretically, private property developed later some of these concepts especially in the colonialism of the United States and Canada. Hmm. Um, colonialism, United States and Canada. Okay. Yeah, sorry, we got interrupted there by... <laughs> You're a, good. Uh, 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 and I wonder, uh, okay, you know, John Locke said we're going to write up, if you take a piece of property and you cultivate it and you do a farm and you cut out all the trees and flatten it and uh-huh. plant crops and develop the property, it, we're going to create this uh, property law, home, yeah. homesteader and other things that were, were later developments of it, where you own the property and it's yours and you get to protect it from thieves stealing all the hard work. Right, right. Okay, and it becomes me against you and all. Yep. And, but I wonder if we could have held on to this Thomistic concept that uh-huh. you own property as a steward for the common relational good of all the people around you. If we would have, if we would have had a different result with colonialism, and the way it took property from indigenous peoples, sometimes violently, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder if there would have been a different outcome. Yeah, but you know, everything you're describing there—that's rooted in a certain vision of what it means to be human. That's that's liberalism, right? Personal property, individual autonomy, the you know the right to own, the right to accumulate. I mean, it's it, it just the vision of of what it means to be human. Yeah, and, and you're talking about political liberalism, uh, yeah. uh, and and not necessarily just plain old liberalism. Right. Um, all right. Well, we have time for one more here. Uh, the markets. I think that a lot of people have been fed up with the free market. And the way the free market has been lifted up as the arbiter mm-hmm. of all things, including whether you're a good person or not, including whether yeah. you have worked hard or yep. not. Yep. Um, and, um, and as a result, a lot of us just want to say, thank you very much. I'd rather go live in a commune. <laughs> uh, but Bretherton says, as opposed to total rejection of markets, again... <laughs> Let's think in terms of right use. Let's think that markets can be an actual constructive social practice of exchange when rooted within wider and prior moral, social, political, Christian, Hmm. church practices. Um, So, you know, and and of course, he's always saying, in order for there to be free markets, there had to be a prior understanding of what a market was, what the yeah. rules were, what the laws were, what the legislation was that propped up the markets. There's no such thing as free markets, but markets yeah. can be a practice of exchange out of interrelationship that can actually be good. And so he argues, uh, you know, let's 
let's go for um, um, certain practices that encourage local, communal, interrelationally connected markets. Um, things like, um, uh, help me out here, uh, local agriculture. What, what do they call that? Mm. Local agriculture? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Shoot, I, I, don't, I don't know what the t- what the technical technical term is for uh, local agriculture. A uh, farm? Okay, wait. I gotta find the right term. I I know this term, but I just can't think of it. Aquaponics. Right. A community supported agriculture. Oh yeah, we were part of one of those for a while. For a while. Yeah. And then, what happened? Uh, COVID. COVID happened. Okay. You know, so if the market's not, if, if we're not going to allow the markets and this free markets, which are really, it's really an ideology that kind of invades everything and gives everybody permission to plunder and exploit everybody else based on your existing yeah. privilege and position and posture. And instead of allowing that to metastasize and dominate all aspects of life, let's do things like uh, covenantal, consocial, organizations that embody these exchange relationships and mutuality. I'll give you, I'll fix your car. Actually, you don't want me fixing your car, but I'll fix your your car car if you will come and cook me a gourmet meal. Mm. And I do expect it to be good. That's a great (laughs) trade-off. I would do that. Uh, you don't even know how to cook a gourmet. <laughs> what are you not. talking about? <laughs> but but let's let's let, trade unions can become more than just top down heavy uh, um, antagonistic relations with with the ownership capital group. Let's create mutuality in in trade relationships. Yeah. Let's create guilds. You know, we all have guilds. Like theologians sure. have guilds. Mm-hmm. Carpenters have. Get well, they have unions, right? Um, let's let's have consumer protection organizations that work together to protect the consumer from being plundered by capital by large uh, global bank systems. Right. Um, I think so. Like like Brotherton, Brotherton advocates democracy done well. Uh, creates spaces for these kind of mutual relationships that the markets don't just become this grand ideology, which gives us permission to do whatever we want to maximize mm-hmm. the maximal accumulation of money and goods and values to ourselves. But he says, no, markets can actually be a communal good. Can we make this work in churches? I think in churches, yeah. I'm I'm really skeptical that capitalism can be tethered to this moral vision that you're talking outside about. Outside of God. Yeah. Well, outside of God, but it, I mean, isn't that what the Reformed tradition has taught? You know, this Christendom view that the market can be part of God's plan in the world. Are you are you trying to tempt me to go after No, I, I I'm just Kyperian saying reform no, understandings I, of economy? I'm saying kind of what you're positing here sounds a little reformed to me. Can we, you know, you're talking about tethering the, the market to these social practices and these moral, interesting you know, moral visions. And to me, I'm like, oh, that sounds like Christendom. Um, it does. Well, no. Uh, okay. So uh, I always say it goes from local to impact broader, more national and or global mm-hmm. systems. Yeah. You know, my favorite story is Tommy Douglas, the Baptist pastor in Saskatchewan, seeing the need for 
healthcare created this exchange mm-hmm. uh, of risk and health and doctor systems and created basically what eventually became uh, the healthcare system for Saskatchewan, which yeah. started to do so well that they turned it into a national system in the uh, early 70s, I think mm-hmm. it was. Uh, and then now they have national health care. Now, there's other problems once you bureaucratize and separate that national sure. health care from the impulses of communal, interpersonal, mm-hmm. relational mm-hmm. networks. Um, but still, I think we can impact the kingdom that way. But first, yeah. we got to start living it ourselves. Is there a way to create local markets among yes. us? I think there is. Yeah. I think there is too. I mean, we, we know people in Chicago who are doing that, you know, on the West side with coach, with Wayne Gordon. I'm pointing to a book over here. I haven't read it completely, but um, the author talks about local markets in San Francisco, right? Jonathan yes, Tran's book. Yes. Uh, the, the, the deep economy uh, he talks about the church day, in San Francisco. Day spring technology, was it? Yeah. Yeah. A church that created a tech company, a school, and have, have created this beautiful flourishing thriving economy and, and, and by the way it wasn't all for the people of the church no it, uh, it primarily wasn't for it the people reached of the out into the community and transformed the community man yeah, it's beautiful talk about an impact and i don't really know if it's that difficult i don't think so either well like, yeah no our little church in westmont has a common closet we call it mm-hmm. where we exchange uh clothes yeah and people who are in need of clothes that don't have money can come people that have extra clothes can give and and we or uh, i shouldn't say we mm-hmm. but becky and the people who run that yeah. uh separate and divide and organize the clothes make it easy to pick out what you need and what you don't mm-hmm. and relationally things start happening yeah, relationships course. yeah this is a model for all of us mm-hmm. not just those who are poor not just those who are rich actually the poor and the rich can get together on yeah, this yeah. and make each other relationally connected in a way that maybe you can't even recognize who's, quote, rich and who's, quote, poor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. There's a, I think there's a lot of examples of churches doing this. Um, I, just a, another quick I, quick story I read about a church out in Philly. Um, they own a lot of property, and they uh, invite people to come in to stay in their apartments for like a year, a year and a half. So they can save up some money if one of their goals is homeownership. So, you know, they're providing them a rent-free place to live for a year and a half and then go out and, okay, now you have some more uh, capital to go, you know, purchase your own home. And they just kind of, you know, pay it forward and everybody's yeah. kind of invested in this vision. Oh, and I think it's so great. Like this happened, like we have a very small church, mm-hmm. but we've had a lot of these things happen. Yeah, uh, Somebody stays in the basement whole family in a basement of another family's Mm -hmm. house. Not my house, by the way, in case anyone's getting an idea. (laughs) Uh, But uh, they're able to save, pay off some debts, and and then buy a house. Um, These kind of mutuality exchanges, Mm -hmm. common closet. uh, Common cars. We we share our cars with friends on the block. It just, you know, you don't, you know, if you don't need that many cars for your own household, don't just share them with the people who do. Yeah. So... Time's just about up, but... Yeah, uh, we could go on uh, on and on and on. Yeah, but Luke Bretherton, uh, Christ in the Common Life, is yes. a book worth... If you're interested in political theology, it's not a light read. It's not an average. It's yeah. academically driven, demanding, yeah. but I still recommend it. Uh, money, debt, 
how we own property, how we think about and practice the markets, we need to take a good look and lead our churches into uh, the way of the kingdom in this regard. And I can't help but believe much, much flourishing shall come forth from God. Yes. Through Jesus in this process. Amen. Can you say an amen? Amen. You already did, but can you say another amen? Amen, amen. Amen. Folks, that just yeah. about wraps it up for another Theology and Mission radio show. Got two quick announcements. Uh, first announcement, book club. I think we have a couple of extra slots open. I just looked today and I can't get in there. No one can get in there. Really? Yeah. There's like five open slots still. I couldn't get in there. Mm, okay. I'll look at it. Uh, we're reading uh, Brian Zahn's book, uh, When Everything's on Fire. And, the... and what'll be the format of this? Uh... Uh, it'll be a Zoom call. A we'll, Zoom call. We'll record it, put it on YouTube. Yeah. You and I can lead a conversation, discussion. People can jump We're going to take Q&A on it and all stuff. All that good stuff. And uh, we How long is it going to be? Uh, I would say 90 minutes max. 90 minutes. So we're not going to cover a lot, but we might have some other announcements that come forth from that Yeah, for, for follow-up. And uh, we haven't talked about this in a couple of weeks, but Willie Jennings is coming to give our theology and mission lectures. Uh, we haven't done a hard push on it, but uh, it's coming up here in about four months. Yeah. Do you have, I can never remember the date. June 9th and 10th. Yeah. And it's going to be a spectacular It's going to be amazing. Uh, we're really looking forward yeah. to it. Uh, we're going to have a breakfast for all mm -hmm. those who sign up early. Yep. So may, if you're interested, sign up early because it's more of a close uh, Q&A time to eat breakfast with Willie and, and talk shop. Yeah, those will all be in the show notes for you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's another Theology on Mission uh, podcast. We thoroughly enjoyed being with you. Give us a review. Come on. Yeah, and someone on. out there, no one's given us a review in weeks. Right. Just give us, just, I don't even care if it's a bad review, frankly. Yeah. Well, as long as it's, we get those. As long as you're giving a, a bad review of more and not myself. But uh, <laughs> give us a review if you can, uh, whatever platform you're following us on. Except for Spotify. Except for Spotify. We'll talk about that later, or we already have talked about it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> uh, but until the next podcast, which is coming up in a short time, two, three weeks, we'll see you then. It's Mike Moore and Dave Fitch over and out.